Here at Doxedo Bloom, we're excited about making disciples who impact the city and nations. We hope you enjoy today's message. Is the Bible relevant today? Or rather, is the Bible relevant to you today? Uh, in this series that we are busy with uh, called That's a Great Question, uh, we are looking at the question today uh, of if the Bible is relevant uh, to us today. Um, and whenever we discuss a question like that, I think it's easy to become very philosophical and we can have a talk on apologetics. And to some it might be interesting, to some very boring but I don't think it really matters that much because we need to answer that question for ourselves personally. So I want to rephrase that question and ask it again. Is the Bible relevant to you today? Now, in order to answer that question, uh, we first have to look at why do we read the Bible? Uh, the reason why you read the Bible will determine whether it is relevant or not. Uh, now, I think there are many different ways in which people approach this book uh, and different ways in which we read uh, this Bible. Now, I think one of the big ways in which people do approach this book is to view it as a book of information. Uh, we see it as information. For some, uh, we might say that, you know, this book is relevant because it's got very good historical information. Uh, for some, they even look for scientific information in this book. Um, for some, they view this book as a book of answers. Uh, some people read this book and, 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 and sort of when you've got a big question in life, like, you know, who should I marry or uh, should I move to this city or that? And then we, you know, we, we go through this book as if it's a, a magic eight ball um, and we shake it around until we get usually until we get the answer that we were actually hoping for. Um, so it might be a book of answer, answers. Uh, for some, they believe the relevance of this book lies in its ethics. You know, it's a book that tells us what is right and what is wrong. Um, it's a book of do's and, and don'ts. Um, so it's about ethics. Um, some read this book out of duty out of religious duty. We think it's sort of a sacrifice we bring to God that makes God happy uh, with us. Um, and then again, for some, this might be a book for motivation. Uh, many people love going to scriptures uh, to find an inspirational quote. You know, that, that uh, that's a scripture that you can write on your, uh, um, on your mirror so that when you get up in the morning that you're ready to go to the gym. So you find inspiration and it becomes like this self-help book. Now, I think all of those reasons, if you think about it, um, that will not be enough to make this book the most relevant thing to your life. I believe that this book is actually the most relevant thing to our lives. But if that is your reason for reading the Bible, well, then you can go to many other books. Many other books also has history or you know, science or motivation. You can read many other books uh, if that is your motivation. I think recently another way in which many Christians has gone, have gone to the Bible um, in this time of a pan pandemic around the world is to go and look for, for interesting prophecies. Or, you know, we, we try and figure out, like, we, what is the end date of the coronavirus? What's the end date of planet Earth? You know, is this the beginning of the end times? And, and we can read the Bible for sensation or for, you know, in a very prophetic way. Um, and even though the Bible is full of very, very interesting prophecies, I think if that's your core reason as to why you go to the Bible, I don't think it's that relevant because you can read a whole bunch of other books also that might have some very interesting facts or predictions uh, in them. I believe that the, the core reason 
why we should read this Bible and why this is the most relevant thing in our lives is because it points to Jesus. You see, this book is the self-revelation of God himself. God has decided to reveal, to, to show himself to us. And in doing that, he has done it from the book of Genesis all the way through to the book of Revelation. God is busy showing himself to us. He's revealing himself to us. And the climax of this self-revelation of God is actually found in the person and in the work of Jesus himself, which we can encounter in this book. Now, I believe the reason why this is the most relevant thing in our lives and the most relevant thing today is because it points us to God. It's all about relationship. Now, I think the relevance of this book doesn't lie in the book itself. You know, it's not in the literature. The reason why the Bible is relevant is not in the literature itself, but it's in the person that it's pointing to. The Bible is actually just a means to an end. It's not an end to itself. Um, there's actually an example of a group of people that saw the Scriptures as a, an end in itself. Uh, they were called the Pharisees, and they loved the Scriptures. They, they were searching the Scriptures, and um, they were spending hours and, and years in the Scriptures, really, really just passionate about the Scriptures, but they were missing the point. They saw the Scriptures as an end in itself instead of it being a means to a greater end. And so Jesus speaks to these Pharisees in John chapter 5, verse 39, and he says, You study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them, you think that in these scriptures in, in themselves, you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. You see, so they were so caught up with the technicalities of the Scriptures and, and of the laws, that they missed the one that the Scriptures was actually showing them to, the one that, that the Scriptures was actually pointing them to, that, that, that the Scriptures that we've received uh, through the Holy Spirit and from God is actually a means to an end, to point us to Jesus himself. You see, John 17 verse 3 Jesus says this, and this is probably my favorite verse in the Bible. Uh, John 17, 3, uh, Jesus says, now this is eternal life. And he's actually saying, you know, this is what it's all about. Think about uh, your Bible from Genesis to Revelation. This is what the whole life and the whole universe is about. This is what eternal life is. That they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. And so Jesus says, you know what it's all about? You know what everything is pointing to? Is that we know him and that we also know the one whom he has sent, Jesus Christ. You see, if you are looking for the right way to walk in life, it's not really found in writings, even though the writings point to that way. It is found in a person. If you are looking for truth, truth isn't found in this book itself. It is found in the person that this book is actually pointing to. If you are looking for life, you find it in that person that this book is pointing to. Jesus says in John 14, 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The way, the truth, and the life is not a book. It is actually a person. But the beauty is that we have been given a book that points to that person, where this, this person's character is actually revealed to us, and we can get to know him. And that's what the point of the Bible is. 
And that's what gives this Bible its relevance. It is the person that the book is pointing to. It's not in the book itself. And so if that is the case, if this book is truly just about Jesus, if it's all just pointing to Jesus, then the relevance of this book doesn't lie in the book itself, it lies in Jesus. And so the question then becomes, not is the Bible relevant? The question becomes, is Jesus relevant today? And my question to you, is Jesus relevant to you today? Because if he is, then the Bible is also relevant. You see, if Jesus is everything that he said he was, if Jesus is truly risen, if he is alive today, then this is the most relevant thing in our lives. But if Jesus isn't who he said he was, and if Jesus is dead, then this is also not relevant to us in any way. Now, I just want to continue on that thought a little bit. And uh, uh, I think maybe the, the millennials, uh, you will remember this with me. There was a time about 15 years ago where something truly revolutionary happened. Mixit was introduced to us. How many of you remember Mixit? Uh, those who are a little bit younger, not the millennials, you probably won't know of this, and the older generation, you might know of this also, but the millennials, uh, I mean, those were the days. This was about 15 years ago, uh, someone discovered Mixit, and this was, just to explain to the younger generation, this was a chat room. Right? So just like you've got uh, WhatsApp or Telegram uh, today, that was new to us. Mixit was new because back then we used SMSs. Now, I know for some young people the word SMS doesn't have any meaning because you go to the cell phone shop and they say that you can you get, you know, for this contract you get 200 minutes phone time, you get 2 gigabytes of data, and you get uh, 4,000 free SMSs. And everyone's like, you know, keep the 4,000 free SMSs. Can I just get another 100 megabytes of data? Because who cares about SMSs? No one uses them, right? But back then, that's what, what, what we were used to. You would send a message or an SMS, but they were very expensive, right? So you didn't chat to someone. You just only sent the, the very important stuff like, you know, burnt down the house, got the kids, phone me. That's it. You didn't have long conversations. You didn't say, hey, and then the other person says, hey, how are you doing? Good. What are you doing? Nothing. You? Nothing. You know, you didn't have like a long conversation on your phone. It was just emergency uh, messages sending to each other. Now, for young people, you know, SMS is much the same as the actual telegrams that we, I don't know, that was sent back in the day or, um, you know, Morse code. You know, it falls in that category. So that's when we used to have SMS and then someone brought Mixit. Now you can chat to someone, right? You can say, hey, how are you doing? And then they respond and you keep on chatting because one message only cost one cent, right? So you can send lots of messages, but it was quite interesting. If you go into Mixit, it was an application, but it looked, the interface looked a little bit like MS-DOS. It was like really uh, old. It felt really cool once you're in there because you felt like you're in the dark web and communicating to other people that are also in the dark web with you. But for me personally, I wasn't really tech savvy. So I didn't use Mixit, right? So I, you know, I didn't care too much about Mixit. I had enough friends to speak to in real life, so I didn't care about that. But then I met a girl and I actually met my wife, and I was so in love with her. And I was looking for any opportunity to speak to her. 
And then I found out that she is on Mixit. She's on the dark web. And, and then I knew I had to get onto Mixit. And so I asked one of my friends that were more, you know, tech savvy. Back then we called them geeks or whatever, but now we're good friends with everyone. And, and then I asked them, so, you know, teach me how to use this Mixit. And then he taught me how to use Mixit. And I got onto Mixit. And then I'd wait there the whole day until Karine would come onto Mixit because you can't speak to someone if they're not there. That's the only time when you can start sending the messages. And once she gets on... I would say like, oh, what a coincidence. We both on, how are you doing? And we would spend time on Mixit and I got to know her. Now, I promise you this story does have a point. <laughs> the point I want to make with this is for me, I never cared about Mixit until I found out that I can get to know Karin through that. It's a place where I can talk to this girl that I was so in love with. Now, it's the same thing with the Bible. The Bible is not really the point. The point is that we can get to know the one that our hearts are longing for through this Bible. It is a means to an end where we can discover who God is. Now, I remember when I was younger, I used to read this book um, out of religious duty. I thought if I read this book every day, then, you know, God would be happy with me. Because there was that song, you know, uh, read your Bible, pray every day. And they had these cool moves because you'd start you know, at the bottom and say, read your Bible, pray every day, and you will grow, grow, grow. Great song. I, I, taught it, I, was, I, I was taught that song in Afrikaans, and I found out today there's an English version, which I practiced really hard before this uh, sermon. But it's a really great song. So read your Bible every day, and then you will grow. And I thought, you know, I have to read my Bible, because then God will be happy with me. And I did that. But then when I was 19 years old, I had an encounter with God. I met God. I had this hunger that, that was stirred up in me, and I realized that I'm far away from God. And then I drew near to God, and He drew near to me, and I had an encounter with the living God. And once I met God, and there was this hunger in my heart for God Himself, then for the first time, I had a hunger for the Bible. I started devouring this Bible because I was hungry for God Himself. You see, here's the thing. If you're not hungry for God, you won't be hungry for this book. If you're not desperate to spend time with God, then this book won't be really relevant to you. If you're not after God himself, then this book loses its relevance because it is found in relationship with God. Are you hungry for God? My prayer is not that you think after the sermon that, you know, the Bible is a good idea or that, yes, it's relevant to our planet Earth and, and, and whatnot, but that you would be hungry for God and that hunger would be stirred in you today that you would become more hungry to read your Bible today. There's a beautiful story of Mary and Martha. Many of us know that story. And uh, it's this time when Jesus uh, comes into this village and, and this lady, Martha, invites him into her house and she's running around serving everyone. And then her sister, Mary, is just sitting at the Lord's feet and listening to him. Um, and, and so it, it says uh, in Luke 10, verse, from verse 38 to 40, and verse 39, it says that she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened. That's all she did. She just sat and listened. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to Jesus and said, you know, Jesus, look at how lazy Mary is. Tell her to help me serve in the house. But then the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing 
is necessary. One thing is necessary. And Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. So Jesus says that, Martha, you're being distracted. One thing is necessary, that you sit at my feet and listen to me, that you drink from me. Now, I don't know about you, but I get distracted quite easily. And sometimes the Bible can distract us. Um, I think... Well, I think back at uh, a number of years ago, I was, I was doing this Bible reading plan. And the idea was that in this Bible reading plan that you'd read through the whole Bible in one year and you had to read sort of like four chapters every day. And I was trying really hard. And some days, you know, I was just reading it so fast that I missed what God was trying to say to me. And I realized what happened is that that Bible reading plan, which is a really good thing, that Bible reading plan was distracting me. Instead, I should just be sitting at the Lord's feet and listening to what He wants to say to me. Because it's about relationship. It's not about the Scriptures themselves. It's about who the Scriptures are pointing to. Now, I've studied theology for many years. I spend lots of hours in the Scriptures preparing sermons like this or teachings. And I find myself often being distracted by that, by preparation. Being in the Scriptures but not sitting at the Lord's feet and just listening to Him and drinking from Him. I want to encourage you, don't get distracted. Make sure that you come to the Scripture with the right intention to drink from the Lord and to sit at His feet. Now, I think this may be a last uh, thought before we start ending off, is um, why this book is so so beautiful and and. and um, why well, I think I'm so, uh, so thankful for the fact that we have this beautiful book with us because we can get to know God. Um, but you see, there was a time when this was not as easy, when it wasn't possible. Um, you know, uh, in Exodus 19, there's a place where the nation of Israel, they, they gather around uh, Mount Sinai. And then Moses was the only one that was allowed to go onto the mountain of the Lord. And then God was going to speak to Moses. And, and the whole nation is waiting around this mountain and waiting for Moses to come back with a word from the Lord. And, you know, it's, it's so great. You know, God is going to speak to us through Moses. I think so often we actually do church in that way. Uh, we still think that we are in that time where we have to come to church and listen to this preacher. Maybe you, you still have that little bit of that mentality even today as you're listening to this sermon when you're waiting for someone to bring you a word from the Lord to come and feed you. But the reality is that right there in your house right now, there is a Bible and you can go to the mountain of the Lord today. You can go to the mountain of the Lord every day because God has revealed himself to us. He has revealed himself to us accurately also in the person and the work of Jesus. And so we can spend time with him and we don't need a Moses to come down from the mountain to give us food. We can spend time with God himself. Can you imagine what church would look like if all of us goes to the mountain of the Lord and we all spend time with God. We sit at His feet. We drink from Jesus. And then we come together on a Sunday or during the week in a community group. And we speak about what God spoke to us about. And we share that with one another. Now, in closing, I want to ask two very important questions. Two very, very good questions. Great questions. The first one is, are you sitting at His feet? When it comes to the Bible... 
Are you sitting at the feet of Jesus and just drinking from him? Or are you looking for, for information or for sensation? Are you sitting and drinking from Jesus? I want to encourage you this week that when you go and read your Bible, this Bible will only be relevant if you seek God himself in it. If you go and sit at the feet of Jesus, and this becomes a means to a much greater end. The second question I want to ask you is, have you met the God that this book is pointing to? That is a great question. Have you met the God that this book is pointing to? That's probably the greatest question that you have to answer in your life. I want to invite you today, if you haven't met this God that this book is pointing to, if you haven't met Jesus, there's a way for you to do that. You can just ask him. And, and we as a church, we want to come alongside you and start walking this journey with you. So right there where you are now, you're welcome to find the link to a form, uh, the starting point link um, in the description below. If you go to the starting point link, you can just go and fill that in. There is a section in that form that you can just indicate that you want to start a new journey with God, that you want to start a new life with God, discovering who He is and discovering who you are in Him. If you want to get saved today, I want to invite you to click that link, fill it in, and then we're going to contact you in this week. And we want to spend time with you. We want to walk a road of discipleship with you as we discover with you, as brothers and sisters, we want to discover the person of God together with you. So if that's you, don't delay do it today. I want to end off with John 17, verse 3. Again, where Jesus says, says, this is what it's all about. This is why this book is relevant. This is what this book is all about. Now, this is eternal life. That they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I pray that you will grow in your knowledge and in your hunger and in your love for the person of God, that you would grow in your hunger and, and, and also grow in your love for Jesus, and that that will make you read this book in a totally new way. Jesus, we thank you that you have revealed yourself to us. But I thank you that you've made it easy for us to get to know you. And God, we want to say together as a church right now, God, everyone that's, that's watching this and uh, all of us even right now that's busy recording this, God, we want to say uh, from the depths of our hearts, God, that we are hungry for you. We want more of you, God. We want to drink from you, Jesus. Will you give us just more from you, God? And as we continue to read our Bibles, God, will you continue to show more of yourself to us, God, because you are the one that we are hungry for and Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Make sure that you get connected to this family on mission by joining us at one of our Sunday services.